You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll continue in our new series with part eight, change your life by changing your thinking. When we understand what God's word says about our thinking and its importance, we will be more intentional to focus it on the things and promises of the Lord. Let's get started. We've been in this amazing teaching series talking about the fact that God is doing a new thing. And I'm super excited for us to continue this theme and continue this topic of study as we jump into the Word of God on today. Would you pause with me for a moment? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of your Word. And we thank you, Lord, that you are clearly doing a new thing. And so, Father, as we come to your Word this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts pray, Father, that you would prepare us to receive your word, but to not just be hearers of your word, but also doers. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this new season and the new things that you're doing. But Lord, help us to be prepared for it. We thank you in advance for what your word is going to do on this morning, right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, family, I want you to join me in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 2. It's a passage that I believe is one of the most important passages when we start talking about mental health and mental fitness. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse number 2, the Apostle Paul says this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, by changing the way that you think. This morning, as we continue to dig into the Word of God on this topic of new, but with the focus of mental health and mental fitness, we want to look at the Word of God this morning with this thought in mind. Change your life by changing your thinking. Now, Romans 12 and 2 is arguably one of the greatest verses in all of the New Testament on the importance of mental health and mental fitness because through it, the Apostle Paul wants us to understand first that God is far more interested in changing our mind than changing our circumstances. Now, we want God to change our circumstances. We want Him to take away all of the problems, all of the pain, all of the sorrow, and even all of the suffering and the sickness and sadness and difficulties. And God recognizes that those things are important to us. But he also understands that what's more important is what's happening in us, particularly what's happening in our minds. See, God is far more interested in changing our thinking because nothing significant will happen in your life until your thinking changes. No real transformation can take place. No real lasting change can happen in your life until your thinking begins to change. As a matter of fact, this is why our theme verse for this entire series is so important. When we started this teaching series on new, we started by looking at Isaiah 43 and verse 19, where God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That phrase, do you not perceive it, is so important because in it, God is pointing out that he's moving and doing a new thing, but it's possible for us to miss it, particularly if our mind hasn't been renewed, if we are not fit mentally, if we are not thinking in a way that is healthy and productive. See, in order to perceive the new things that God is doing, our thinking has to change. And first, I want to give you a couple of reasons why our thinking 
uh, has to change. And so make it personal, why I must change my thinking. I want you to uh, really internalize this and think about this as I'm walking you through this. It's so important that we change our thinking. And let me give you a couple of reasons for this. Well, A, let's start here. We have to change our thinking, A, because your thoughts control your life. My thoughts control my life. Your thoughts control your life. Every single action always begins as a thought. If you don't think it, you can't, you can't do it and you don't do it. And that's both good and bad. It's, it's good and bad because if it's a good thought, then you think it and you're going to do good. But it's also bad because if it's a bad thought and you don't change your thinking or control the way you think, then the next step is that you're going to do bad. But the point I want you to understand is that it's our thoughts that control our life. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says it this way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Oh, that's good. You know, it's interesting. People often will say things like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. I was just thinking about it. I didn't do it. But they say that because they don't realize how important a thought is. The Bible is very clear that it's your mind, it's your thoughts that have the tremendous ability to shape your life either for good or for bad. For an example, if you accepted the thought when you were growing up, the thoughts that, that people maybe planted in you, things like you're worthless or you're no good or you don't matter or you're ugly or uncoordinated, if you accepted those thoughts, even though they were wrong, guess what they did? They shaped your life. You know, a lot of us were taught things as kids that just were not true. But the sad thing is because we haven't changed our thinking, many years later, we're still living and acting on all of that incorrect false information. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I was often made fun of because of my skin color. People used to talk about how dark I, I, I was and I am. I mean, I am a dark brother. But the difference between my life now and my life then is that my thinking changed. Back when I was a child, I did. I thought I was ugly. I thought I was not wanted and couldn't be loved, all because I allowed those thoughts from others to be planted in my mind. But as I began to grow, and particularly grow in the faith, I understood the power of changing my thinking. And the truth is, no, I'm not uh, unlovable and, and ugly. I'm actually a good-looking, handsome, dark-skinned brother. Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. But listen, whether you believe that or not is less important. I believed it and I believe it today. And I had to change my thinking in order to get there. And so the trajectory of my life and even how I feel about myself changed the moment I began to change my thinking. And let me tell you why this is so important because often we are overly interested in our feelings, but here's the point. Your feelings don't shape your life, your beliefs do doesn't even have to be true. This is what I want you to see. The point is, if you believe it, just like those kids making fun of me when I was a kid, even though that wasn't true, if you believe it, it's going to shape your life. This is why we have to change our thinking. Because A, our thoughts control our life, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. But here's the next reason why we have to change our thinking. B, because the mind is the battleground for sin. You got to get this. The mind family is where we win or lose the battle. As a matter of fact, all temptation happens in the mind. 
See, we so often think that temptation is something out there, something external, something that happens that we see out there and we say, oh, the enemy's trying to tempt me or the enemy's after me. But here's the point. It wouldn't really tempt you if there wasn't a corollary desire inside of you. See, all temptation happens in your mind between our ears. As a result, sin happens in our mind. It happens in between our ears. Now, when we talk about like the sins of pride or lust or bitterness or hatred or anger or fear or resentment or envy or worry, where are all those things? They're in your mind. This is why if you can learn to change your thinking, you can actually change your life because the mind is where the battleground is. In Romans chapter 7, Paul is very articulate about explaining how we've all felt with this mental battle that threatens to pull us in so many different directions. In, in Romans 7 and verse 22, Paul says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Now, what is Paul saying here? He's literally talking about this fight, this battle in our mind. It's one of the reasons why often you get mentally fatigued. And sometimes you're so tired and you're like, why am I tired? I haven't done a whole bunch of physical activity, but you're tired mentally because there's a battle that's going on in your mind. And it's happening 24 hours a day. Sometimes we're conscious of the battle. Sometimes we're unconscious of the battle. But you need to know that it is happening in your life. And the reason why this battle is so intense in your mind is because your mind is your greatest asset. And the enemy knows that. His desire is literally to control your mind. And not only the enemy, the world, and I'm going to unpack this in a moment, but you need to know the world also wants to control your mind. The big battle is not for your car. It's not for your money or your house. The enemy doesn't drive. The enemy uh, is, is present in a variety of places at one time. He doesn't need your car. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your house. The big battle is over the way you think. Why? Because whatever gets your attention gets you. Oh, oh, that's so good. I got to say that again. Please hear me. Whatever gets your attention gets you. The enemy knows that. The world knows that. This is part of the reason why corporations pay millions of dollars for advertising, because they know whatever gets your attention gets you. That's why the battle is over your mind. So we have to change our thinking because our thoughts control our life and because our mind is literally the battleground for sin and temptation. But here's another reason why we have to change our thinking, particularly if we're going to embrace this new that God is doing. See, because changing your thinking is the key to peace and happiness. See, changing your thinking is actually the way to happiness and peace and, and often the life that we desire to live. As a matter of fact, if you learn what I'm sharing with you this morning and apply it to your life, your peace of mind will go up dramatically. So will your happiness. So will your overall enjoyment of life. See, a mind that hasn't been changed ultimately leads to tension. But a mind that has been changed leads to tranquility. A mind that hasn't been changed leads to pressure. Whereas a mind that has been changed leads to peace. 
A mind that hasn't been changed leads to conflict and chaos, but a mind that has been changed leads to confidence. I'll give you another one. A mind that hasn't been changed leads to stress because you don't manage your thoughts. You just let them go all over the place and you don't even try to control your mind or, or even the way that your thoughts are happening. You don't try to direct those thoughts and as a result, you have an enormous amount of stress in your life. But a mind that has been changed leads to strength, security, and also serenity. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 6. It says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. That's so good, family. This is why we have to change our thinking in order to change our life. If we are going to be mentally healthy, to embrace all of the new that God is doing, we have to change our thinking. And the thing about changing your thinking is that it is not just a one-time decision. It's something that you've got to do every single day. So I, I got to give you three daily choices for change thinking, meaning three things that you and I have to do daily if we are going to change our thinking and have a healthy mind. The Bible is even very clear about this. The Bible says that there are three choices for a healthy mind or three things that we ought to do daily if we're going to think for change. You've got to feed your mind, you have to free your mind, but then you also have to focus your mind. I want to unpack that. You've got to feed your mind, you've got to free your mind, but then lastly, you've got to focus your mind. And I want to take a moment and walk you through all three of these things because all three of these things are choices, daily habits and disciplines that we have to do every day, not just one time, but moment by moment, every single day of our lives, if we're going to have a healthy mind and change our life by changing our thinking. So the first thing that we have to do is, number one, I must feed my mind with truth. Make it personal. You must feed your mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. Now, let me explain it this way. We all know the importance of nutrition. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you've heard about it. Good food, good calories help you. They cause us to be better, to be stronger, to be healthier, and to have more energy. But on the other side, bad calories, junk food, the stuff that we eat that has no nutritional value, it harms us. It decreases our energy. It contributes to a host of other um, medical issues, health issues, well, if you understand that balance, it's the same for your thought life. Good thoughts help you. Bad thoughts harm you. This is why we must feed our mind, not with junk, not with poison, but with the truth. This is why Jesus said in John 8 and 32, he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, for several years, this is long before COVID, but for several years, for about eight to 10 years each summer, I had the opportunity to study with one of my mentors, one of our apostolic elders here at the worship center. And I had an opportunity every summer for a number of years to study with him at Oxford University in London. But I also learned while I was there that also at Oxford University is a very influential group called Oxford Analytica. Now, you probably have never even heard of Oxford Analytica, but they're a group that has incredible influence around the world. Every day, every day at about 5.30 or 6 a.m., 
the leading scholars of Oxford University, they gather in a room and they get reports from all over the world about what's happened in the last 24 hours. And then they discuss these things. I mean, everything from crop prices in China to unrest in the Middle East to weather on the East Coast, all kinds of things. And then they make a decision about what needs to be said about those things. And then they decide who is the best person in the world who is an expert on this subject. And then they uh, connect with that person and then they put together a report. And the report comes out about 11 o'clock each day. And the report is the Oxford Analytica report. But here's the point. This report is paid for by the U.S. and the CIA and the Soviet Union and Russia and China, world leaders. Major corporations pay big dollars for this report. They all look to Oxford Analytica to get their daily report and they pay big sums of money for this information. Well, Oxford Analytica is founded on a simple idea that the best leaders make the best decisions when they have the best information. Now, I told you that story because while you and I are not Oxford Analytica, that same truth holds for our life. We need the best information to live the best life that God wants us to live. Well, guess what that information is? It's right here in the Word of God. It's called the truth. This is the best information for us to live our best life. It's right here. The Bible even says it this way in Matthew 4 and 4. Jesus says, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on the Word of God. This is why the Bible is our soul food. This is why the Bible is the best information that we can get for our best life. This is our owner's manual. This, this is the cheat code for your successful, blessed life. But now the question then is, if we understand that we've got to feed on this, this is the nutritional stuff instead of all of the other stuff, the question then is, well, when should I feed my mind on truth? When should I do this? And the answer is simple, throughout the day, morning, noon, and night. My wife and I are vegan, and uh, we've been vegan for uh, some years, and uh, long before we were vegan, we were vegetarian, uh, and then even before we were vegetarian, we were pescatarian, so it, there's been this like 16-year journey uh, from pescatarian to vegetarian, from vegetarian to vegan, and it's blessed our life in some very significant ways. But I've learned over the years from being vegetarian and now vegan that the key is it's not just what you eat, but it's how often you eat. Because often, uh, if you don't eat throughout the day, you're going to be super hungry. And so the key to being a vegan is you've you got to eat every couple hours. It's not about eating like three big meals a day or, you know, you eat one big breakfast and then you don't eat anything else until it's dinner time. No, no, you kind of got to just nibble your way through the day eating on the right foods. That's, that's the way that your metabolism is going to keep going and you're going to uh, not just be hungry and mean and all of that kind of stuff and be hangry because you're hungry. Uh, but the key is you've got to eat small, good meals throughout the day. Well, the same is true with feasting on the Word of God. If you're constantly thinking about the truth, it's going to renew your mind. It's going to change your thinking, not just one Sunday, not just for an hour a day, uh, actually an hour one day of the week, which is kind of what most people's diet of the Word of God consists of. Let me get this word from Bishop, or let me get this word uh, from my favorite pastor. And, and you're only feeding on the truth 
for a short period of time, 30, 45 minutes out of your whole week. No, you've got to constantly feed on the truth. A great example of this is the life of David. Check this out. In Psalm 119, David says, I rise early to cry out for help and put my hope in your words. That's Psalm 119 and 147. So, so get this. David says, I start every morning talking to you. I cry out in prayer. I, I listen to you. I read your word. He even says, I, I look for hope in your word. Why is he looking for hope in, in the word of God? Because there are over 7,000 promises in this book, 7,000 of them. And if you want your thinking to change, if you, if you want to really change your life by changing your thinking, become a promise person. Begin to learn, memorize, think on these promises of God. Can I tell you something? If you're feeling pretty hopeless about your situation, there's one reason. You're not spending enough time in the promises of God because hope is here. David says, I start my day with hope. How are you starting your day? Do you start your day with hope or do you start your day and you start scrolling through your phone and, and you see all kind of foolishness? How do you start your day with hope or despair? Do you start your day with hope or frustration? But David says it starts right here. He says, I start my day with hope. But then if you keep reading in Psalm 119 and verse 97, he goes on and says, Lord, how I love your word. Get this. I think about it all day long. So David says, I start my day with hope, with your word. He says, then I think about it all day long. And then in Psalm 16 and verse seven, he says this, he says, even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. And so David is literally saying early in the morning, all through the day, and even late at night in my worst moments, he says, I am thinking about God's truth. I think this is part of the reason why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. As a matter of fact, if you are familiar with the life of David, then you recognize that one of the most significant things about David's life is how serious he was about filling his mind with the truth of God's word. Even, get this, while Saul was hunting David down and trying to kill him, in Psalm 119 and verse 95, David says, when wicked people hide, to ambush and kill me, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Wow. Family, that's huge. Now, let me ask you something. If somebody was trying to kill you, would you be thinking about the word of God? <laughs> I kind of doubt it. You'd probably be calling the police or running or bolting the door. David says, get this, I don't care what's going on in my life. Morning, noon, night, even if people are trying to kill me, I've got one thing that is a priority in my life. I got to keep my mind on the truth. But family, here's something else that we've got to do. If we are going to change our life by changing our thinking, number two, we have to free our mind from destructive thoughts. Make it personal. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. That's the second thing that you and I have got to do. We have to free our mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be liberated. Your mind needs to be delivered. Pastor Michelle's message on last Sunday was brilliant. You're coming out head first. Why? Because that's the way to real deliverance. That's why a baby 
is born. When it's born the correct way, it's born head first because you've got to lead with new mindset, new thinking if you're going to fully embrace all that God has for you. Your mind has to be delivered because often we are prisoners of our own thoughts. Often we are prisoners of the things that people have told us or the things that we believed that simply are not true. I'm talking to some of you this morning and so many of us are living in a prison of our own creation. Some of you right now, this is your word, may not be, but, but for a few of you, but I feel this so strongly. Some of you are living in a self-imposed prison and that prison is in your thinking. I said it a moment ago and it bears repeating. Some of the stuff, the stinking thinking that we've been engaged in that's kept us in prison is not even true. And, and it doesn't really matter that it's not true. What matters is that you believed it. And because you believed it, guess what? It affected your life. If you were told that you were clumsy, maybe you're not even clumsy at all. But if you believed it, guess what? You're clumsy. And you see yourself that way because you ultimately will act in accordance of the way you think. This is why we've got to free our mind from destructive thoughts. And honestly, it's not the easiest thing to do, but it is doable. But the reason it, it's not the easiest thing to do is because we have three enemies that are trying to keep us in the prison of bad thinking. Those enemies are trying to take us down. Those enemies are trying to keep us from changing the way that we think. What are those enemies? I got to explain them to you. Because if you're going to change your life by changing your thinking, we've got to expose these enemies. What are these enemies? The first enemy, number one, is our old nature. Our old nature. That, that, that's an enemy, our old nature. I want to show you something. Let's go back to Romans, Romans chapter 7 in verse 23, because in it Paul talks about how his old nature is keeping him in a mental bondage. He says this in Romans 7 and verse 23. He says, I see in my body a principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside of me. So let me put this in context. Have you ever found yourself doing something that you really didn't want to do? Have you ever said, I don't really want to do it, but then you do it. That's the battle that Paul is referring to. Or here's another one. Have you ever knowingly engaged in self-defeating behavior? What do you mean self-defeating behavior? It's when you, you say, you know what? I know this is not good for me, but I, gotta, I just got to do it. What's happening there? There's a battle that's taking place in your mind. You may have all of the best intentions in your new nature. You may want to do the right thing, but there's a battle. And the battle is between your new nature and your old nature. See, your old nature is not your friend. Your old nature is where all your bad habits and stuff come from. As a matter of fact, in Romans 8 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Notice, it's all about your mind. It's all about how you think. So you and I may have great intentions for changing something in our life, but you need to know that your old nature is going to battle you on it. When my alarm clock goes off at 4 or 5 a.m. to get up and have time with the Lord and get to the gym 
or to go downstairs and work out, if I'm not going to go to the gym, my old nature says, man, stay in bed, get some extra sleep. Because whenever we want to change our life or change our thinking, our old nature is our enemy. It's going to battle us on it. But you also have another enemy. We have another enemy. The second enemy that's going to fight you is Satan. Satan wants to control your mind. So he sends ideas, thoughts into your mind. Now, I got to be real clear. You need to know that Satan cannot force you to do anything. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you, which means Satan can't force you to do anything because greater is he that is within you and I than he that is within the world. That's a truth that you have to stand on. But Satan can make suggestions. And you need to know that those suggestions can be very powerful. And he is going to constantly, continuously, Plant those negative suggestions and negative thoughts in your mind. Sometimes the enemy will even use other people or maybe he'll use television or social media. Sometimes you just throw a thought in your mind and you're driving along or going along and then you got this crazy thought and you're like, where in the world did that come from? This is in fact what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6 when he talks about extinguishing the flaming arrows of the enemy. When Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, he says, because the armor will help us extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. What are the flaming arrows of the enemy? They're these thoughts. They're these uh, negative suggestions that the enemy will try to plant in your mind. Have you ever been in prayer? You've been praying for something really, really hard, and you are focused on the Lord, maybe even in worship, and then all of a sudden the weirdest thought comes into your mind while you're in worship or while you're praying. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. And when that happens, you may think, well, where in the world did that come from? Well, I can tell you where it comes from. It comes from the enemy. He just tried to drop a little bomb in your mind. But here's the good news, family. You don't have to accept every thought. One of the most important things that you've got to take away from what I'm sharing with you this morning is this. You don't have to believe everything you think. That's one of the most liberating things to know. You and I don't have to believe everything that we think. We automatically think, I, I got I to really open this up and, and, and help you to get this. We automatically think that if we think it, then it must be true. No, that is so far from, from the truth. You and I think a lot of stuff that's not right. In fact, a lot of times the majority of the stuff that we think is just not true. But family... You don't have to believe everything you think. And if you get this revelation right here, this is going to set you on the road to mental health and mental fitness. It's so important. I got to say it again. Everything you think is not true. The stuff you think about yourselves, stuff you think about God, the stuff you think about your husband or your wife or your life or the community or the government. It's all not true. Everything you think is not true. Now, there are some things that we think that are true, but I want you to understand that everything that we think is not true. It's not true just because you thought it. See, the moment you wake up, the moment you, you, you get ready to start your day, you know what the enemy starts doing? He starts shooting flaming arrows at you. You're not going to have a good day today. Life is really going to go, go bad. Nobody's going to like you. He, he just starts shooting arrows at you. You're ugly and you're not going to get show my face. All of that is the enemy shooting flaming arrows. 
But the good news is we don't have to believe it. Everything that we think, family, is not true. But you need to know that you've got an enemy. Your old nature, Satan, but he is a third enemy. The third enemy is the world's value system. What I mean when I talk about the world's value system is I'm talking about the culture around us. I'm talking about the fact that the culture around us is not designed to help us to think differently. Our culture doesn't encourage that. As a matter of fact, so much of the advertisement and so much of the images that we see in our culture, social media, commercials, they all encourage something else. They say things like, you deserve a break today. Sprite says, obey your thirst. Uh, another brand says, have it your way, or we do it all for you, or it's all about you. I think it was Sprite that says, obey your thirst, and, and, and others. They continue to promote this image to just do whatever you want to do. That's the world's value system. It's promoted by advertisers and movies and television. It's promoted by songs and even celebrities. So you got to know that in our culture, our culture is not encouraging you to think for change. Our culture is not encouraging you to be responsible for your mental health. This is why even in 1 John 2 and in verse 16, uh, it says this. It, it literally says that all of the world, all that is in the world, one translation says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So we got to deal with that. It literally means that everything around us, all of the commercials, all of the media, all of the things that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, many of them are not encouraging you to think smarter, to think healthier, or to think better. They're encouraging you to do all of the wrong things. So I know what you're wondering. So Bishop, then how do we fight this battle? Well, you fight this battle. You got this battle, your old nature, sin, then the world around you. So how do you fight this mental battle? How do we make sure that we think for a change? How do we do this? How do we learn to change our thinking? I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's right here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul says this, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Our weapons have a divine power to demolish strongholds, to demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, here it is, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So once again, the Apostle Paul is unpacking this battle that is going on in our mind, this mental battle, and he's showing us how to think for change, to be mentally healthy and mentally fit. He says, we got to demolish strongholds. Now, I got to unpack what a stronghold is. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that I believe. That's a stronghold. A spiritual stronghold in my life is any lie that I believe. So that lie might be something like, God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. But if I believe it, it becomes a stronghold. That lie might be that I know better than God what will make me happy. That's a lie, but if you believe it, it becomes a stronghold. It, it might be, the lie might be, that I should do what I want to do and not what God wants me to do, and that's the path that's going to make me happy. That's a lie, but if you believe it, it becomes a stronghold. Another one may be that I know what will make me happy and uh, what will bring me peace better than God does. That's a lie, but if you believe it, 
it'll become a stronghold. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is anything that you and I believe that's a lie. It is a spiritual stronghold in our life. Now, a stronghold could also be a false value system like the world, because in the world, their value systems, secularism, hedonism, materialism, all of those are false value systems that tell us that the only thing that matters is money and sex and power. All of those are lies. But if we believe them, then they become strongholds in our life. Let me give you another one. Your stronghold could also be your personal attitude. Stronghold could literally be an attitude like, I'm never going to forgive that person. Or I'm, I'm going to do whatever I feel and act any way that I want to. That's a stronghold. Sometimes a stronghold is I can never forgive myself. Sometimes the lie that we believe that becomes a stronghold is nobody in my family's ever done anything, so I will never amount to anything. It's a stronghold. Sometimes a fear becomes a stronghold. Something bad is going to happen to me, and I'm not going to go here, and I'm not going to do this because something bad is going to happen. If it's a lie that you believe, then it becomes a stronghold. And Paul is literally saying that, that if we're going to think for a change and be mentally healthy, we have to learn how to demolish those strongholds in our lives. So how do we do it, Bishop? How do we demolish these strongholds? Well, let's go back. Notice what Paul says. First, he says that we take captive every thought. That word in the Greek is akmalotizo. And it literally means to conquer. It means to bring under control. It means to capture. You don't just let a thought run wild in your mind because it may not be true. And then he says, after we take, take it captive, he says, we make it obedient. He says, we take every thought captive and make it obedient. We make every thought obey Christ. That phrase is uh, hupokoe in the Greek. And it literally means you bring that into submission. So Paul is saying, when you have a runaway thought, nothing good is going to happen. You got to, number one, grab that thought, bring it into submission and say, well, no, 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 that's not the word of God. The word of God says all things are possible to them that believe. If you have a runaway thought, oh, you're not going to know how to pay your mortgage and, and you're not going to be able to, to put food on the table. You don't let that thought run rampant in your mind. You have to take it captive and make it submitted. You have to make it um, submissive, submit to the word of God, that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Paul is saying that we have a choice, that, that our mind has to listen to us because God didn't just give us a mind, family, he also gave us a will. And part of the responsibility of your will is to bring your mind in order. Even if you got to talk to yourself sometimes and say, now, listen, I'm not going to engage in that. Now, we're going to shut that down and we're not going to think that way because we know the truth of the word of God. And I'm going to take that thought captive and make it submit to the word of God. The word of God is the authority of my life and even of my mind. So listen, there's so much that I'm sharing with you because of how important this subject is. We have an epidemic in our country of, of people struggling in the area of mental fitness. So I want to empower you and give you how we can change our life by changing our thinking. I'm going to close with this. Number three, how do we do this, Bishop? How can we change our life by changing our thinking? The last thing is this. We have to focus our minds on the right things. For mental health, for mental fitness, you and I have to focus our minds on the right things. What are the right things? Well, there are three things really quickly 
that I will share with you that if you focus on, they will make a big difference in your mental life. Number one, think about Jesus. Think about him. You, you maybe have heard that old cliche that whatever you think about, you become. Well, that's true. And if you think about Jesus, guess who you're going to become? More like Jesus. You've got to keep your mind on him. This is why even in Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 3, it says, think about Jesus's example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. When you start feeling like you're ready to give up, think about what Jesus went through. When you start feeling fearful, think about Christ, that he is our provider, that he will never leave us or forsake us. When you start feeling alone, think about Jesus, that he sticks closer than a brother or a sister. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about him. You know, years ago, many of you remember those WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do? I used to love those things because I would go throughout the day and no matter what the situation was, I'd look at my wrist and that bracelet would cause me to focus on him. So number one, think about Jesus. Number two, think about or focus on others. That's a big one. A lot of the times we struggle with our mental health because we only think about ourselves. But number two, think about others. Philippians 2 and 4 says this, Philippians 2 and 4 says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they're doing. Now, this is extremely countercultural because everything in the world teaches you to be about yourself, me, myself, and I. How, how many times have you heard the phrase, even engage in conversations around, I gotta do what's best for me and I gotta look out for number one. I could go through all of these phrases and the problem with all of these phrases is that it's all about you. One of my favorite books is The Purpose Driven Life. And um, in that book, if you've ever read it, the very first line of that book is to me the most important line of the entire book. The Purpose Driven Life starts off by saying, number one, it's not about you. That's, that's when you really begin to tap into real life, meaningful life, fulfilling life, when it's not about you. Hebrews 10 and verse 24 says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. Meaning, we can't always think about us. We can't live a life that's only about us. We gotta think about Jesus. We gotta think about others. And lastly, family, we gotta think about eternity. That's the third one. But it'll make the biggest difference in your mindset. When you think about eternity, what I mean is, you think about the fact that there's so much more to life than here and now. You know, a big reason that many people have a messed up mind is because of short-term thinking. We're only thinking about right now, but this is but a dress rehearsal for a greater life on the other side of glory. And guess what? When we all die, we, the Bible says we have to give an account to God for how we've lived. And when you think about that, it'll change some things. You'll recognize that, wait a minute, that argument is not really as important or losing my mind over that is not nearly as important because you've got eternity in your view. Colossians 3 and 2 says this. It says, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things going on down here on earth. Another translation says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let heaven fill your thoughts. You know what I found? I'm a huge history buff and I love to read about, 
you know, great people. And one of the things that I found is that the greatest of individuals that made a significant impact here on earth, they had eternity on their mind. They were thinking about heaven and thinking about God's purpose and God's greater glory and his greater will. And they spent their life with that focus and they were able to make an incredible impact here on earth. At the end of my book, The I Factor, I talk about the two greatest tasks in life. The first task is to find yourself, to recognize why God put you on this planet, what you were called and purpose to do. But then when you figure that out, the next great task is to lose yourself. Because when we spend our life thinking about Christ and thinking about others and thinking about what impact are we going to make for eternity? Whose eternity will be different because they met you or met me? When we focus on those things, that's when we begin to live our best life. But also, we begin to think the way that God wants us to think so that our life is changed and transformed. Family, I gave you a whole bunch today, probably too much. But this is how passionate I am on this topic because the Lord has clearly said, before you get into some of the other things that we're going to talk about in this series on new, God says, you, you've got to make sure that, that we begin to think differently. I've even in this season, the Lord has been dealing with me about even changing my thinking because in this new season, we've got to have a new mindset. So family, I pray you were blessed by the word this morning. And I pray that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you don't have a church home, that you'd make that decision today. Whether you are going to join us on the first Sunday of November in person or whether you're going to continue to worship online, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you know the Lord and that you are connected to a church family. That's why the worship center is here. We'd love to connect with you. If you need prayer, our prayer team is waiting to pray with you. There's probably some things that I've said in this message that are prompting you maybe to repent or maybe to, to reach out and say, I, I just need prayer because I've got to change my thinking while our prayer team is standing by ready to pray with you. You can call the number on the screen and we're ready to pray with you. You can also make a decision right there on your mobile phone and take your next steps so that you can live the life that God intended for you to live. Well, family, this has been so good and I cannot wait until next week. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.